So for the next two weeks, uh, I have kind of some stuff kind of I'm going to be talking about this messy you and healthy you. Um, so this, these, this series I kind of am getting together is it's talking about God and what he has for you. So we're not perfect, we'll never be. Um, but it's talking about how church is made up of messy people, including myself. We're all messy people. Um, I'm talking about how we can get when we are caught in the rain. That could be considered messy. There's things that I know growing up, I was never the kid who'd be the one that'd be playing in the dirt. I hated getting dirt under my fingernails for the longest time. I got made fun of that. I don't really care. But I was never the kid to dig in the dirt, find the worms, and throw them at my friends who are walking around me. In fact, I was a kid that would be running away from my friend who was throwing it at me. Um, I was the one that was being the one that was scared, right? And another question is, have you ever had a taco, a hard shell taco, and you ate it? Can you ever keep everything in it? No, it always falls out, whether lettuce, hamburger, salsa, sour cream, whatever it is, it falls out. It's messy. But dang, tacos are good, right? We still love them. We still eat their tacos, even though they're, they make us messy, and they're messy. Um, so in, in a way is, are we talking about being dirty? Or are we talking about sin? We're we talking about bad habits that we may have, things that kind of stir us to, and, and take away from what God's trying to say for each of us. So we all sin. That's just how it is. And honestly, if I, if I ask all of you, do you sin? And you say, put your hands up. If someone doesn't put their hand up, look at them and say, you're lying. Because you all sin. We all do. We all have sin. We're not perfect. Um, so, yeah, if anyone tells you that, say, you're not perfect. You ain't, you ain't right. So, I remember this one time, um, I, I would, like I said, dig in the dirt, the worms. I hated that stuff. I would be the one running away. But I remember this one time, um, I was, I think I was like 13 or 14. First time going fishing. My dad never took me fishing. So I thought I'd go the first time and I didn't know what to expect, but I'm like, I'm going to rock it. I'm going to catch the biggest fish, yada, yada, yada. Me and my brother, actually. So I remember I would reel and nothing. Couldn't catch anything all day. Next day I tried, caught nothing. The third day, we were going to be going home later in the afternoon, and I'm like, my dad said, yeah, you can go fishing, you want to. I'm like, sweet, okay, so we go. I remember getting a little tug on that line, and right away, I'm panicked. My anxiety's out of the roof, because I'm like, what am I going to do? I've never seen a fish up close, I've never touched a fish, I'm going to have to pull the hook out of its mouth. So I'm freaking out, because I'm like, I, I'm, I, I caught something, which is awesome, but I'm scared now. My brother's laughing at me while I'm trying to reel in. I get it out. And I felt so bad for this fish. <laughs> I'm hanging out, and it's hanging off the hook, just flopping away. And I'm like shaking. And so my brother's like, hey, put the fish down, put your rod down, go catch it, grab it. Little did I know how slippery fish are. I'm grabbing it, and it's slipping out of my hands. I'm I, like, my hands are nasty by now. I'm trying to get through. Again, this is my first time fishing. I'm popping my knee down onto the fish. I'm trying to yank it out with pliers. I feel so bad. <laughs> that fish did not last that long. But anyways, I picked it up. I kept, I was getting hit. It was flopping around so much and I'm so scared. I mean, like I got hit in the face. I will not lie. Hit in the face. I remember that because I tasted the fish goo on my mouth. So 
but that's me. I don't like that. Oops. Um, but the point is, is that we don't, well, I don't like being messy. I don't like being dirty. So I don't know how many of us can actually consider what do you think it means to be messy, right? Maybe it means our house is messy, right? Maybe it meant like you're touching a fish and you're all messy. Or maybe it means um, your car is messy. You go into my car, my car growing up, you did not want to go in it. It stank like rotten McDonald's and it was dirty. I got made fun of for that and that's okay, I earned it. Um, but maybe your car is messy or maybe your desk at work is messy, right? Or maybe when you're younger, you liked playing in the dirt. You liked playing, holding the fish. You liked doing this sort of stuff to get your hands dirty. Nowadays, I am trying to get my hands dirty. I'm not the best, but I do. Um, but I'm sure we can all agree that even if we're messy in some way, there's something that really tracks us when we talk about cleanliness or order, right? And perfection. Like, just example is if you buy new clothes and you walk into, you your go shopping, you get everything you need, you go in your closet and you have this whole new wardrobe, but it's perfectly lined up. That's nice. Or let's say, um, uh, let's say you're done organizing your office and you sit down and it's like, okay, I know where this is. I know where that is. Your desk isn't a mess. All right, you know, your coffee cup's here, not hidden under a bunch of books. You know, your pen is right beside you in your desk drawer where it's supposed to be, not in your binders hiding anywhere else, right? But then you know that once you find everything's clean, you go home, you can simply relax. You can go onto your couch and watch your show that you want or you go hang out with your kids, whatever it is, but you can just relax knowing that things are in order and things are clean. So um, we see... Mess is equivalent to stress and imperfection, something that we want to remove from our lives. So we see uh, here is, mess is equivalent to stress. How many of us, if things are messy and going crazy around us, that we just, our anxiety goes up and our stress goes out of the roof? I know for me, if things aren't really in order, or if I don't know what's supposed to be happening next, I know I can just, I shut down. And sometimes I just don't know what to say, I don't want to do it, and I get cranky. So if I'm stressed, don't be near me, I'm cranky. Um, but we see this in the story we're going to be reading. We're going to see that Jesus asks us not to look at the mess, but instead to look um, at him. Right? We see that that may sound a little bit simple, a little bit easy, but it's not. Um, we see Jesus is clean and Jesus is perfect. And, and honestly, who wouldn't want to pursue him instead of the mess that is in our, in our own lives? The mess, the dirtiness that's here. But no matter what, we always struggle with sin. And it isn't often the first thing that our mind goes to. Here we have John 9. So John 9, we I'll give you the background. Jesus and his friends see a man who was born blind. And the disciples' uh, immediate thought was simply that um, either this man committed a great sin, right? Or maybe the, his parents uh, did. And they, this is uh, their punishment, right? And we see the disciples, their gut instinct is to actually look um, at the mess in his parent, or sorry, in this man's life. So in this case, it's his blindness. And, and put shame on guilt onto him and his family. 
That's where they immediately went. So let me ask you is where is their mess in your life? Where is their dirtiness that you you are hiding or that you it's straight in the open? What is the mess in your life or what sins or bad, ha- bad habits do you have? Like for example, it's like do you like to gossip? Do you like to uh, kind of talk about other people behind their back? Do you like to be the next person in the know of what's happening? Or maybe sometimes, like we see God says, we need to be good stewards of what we've been given. Sometimes we're like, we're just going to do whatever, whatever we want. That's a bad habit. That's something that we're not valuing what God has placed in our lives. We've placed our sins. We're putting that higher than what God is saying. So when we aren't being good to us, when we're, we're gossiping, when we're being, when we spread rumors, or if we start rumors, or if other things in our life, like we steal or, or do something like that, but maybe some of those are the habits that you have and you don't even realize it until you kind of get confronted with it. It's like, you know what? I do. I do like to talk. I like to be the one in the know, but then I like to telling other people about it. So where, where do you find yourself putting shame and guilt? And, and maybe even at one point you could be embarrassed that, and, um, because you don't have, you don't ever have the right thing to say when someone's coming to talk to you about something. You go and you start talking about something completely opposite because you don't know what to say or you're just awkward. I know there's times I can be the most awkward person you can, you can meet. But I'm sure all of us had that moment. I'm sure you can think back in, in the past year, e- even the past month, past week, there was a time where you're like, ugh, what did I say? Why did I do that? Right? Maybe also you have, um, maybe you have the correct answers. Maybe you know what you're trying to say, right? And when someone asks you a question, um, or when you enter a group, you immediately feel like the outcast in that group. Like you're the odd one out. Right? Just like you, you had that talk I was talking about earlier and you got all the salsa all over your face still. You had that mess. So you look like that outcast. The one that no one wants to talk to. Right? Or maybe your shame is the fact that you do fit in and there's so many expectations for you. Right? Maybe you're expected for, to do well in your job, to go above and beyond all the time. Right? But all, I, I want to say that these expectations aren't necessarily all bad. But we have to know that we can't meet every single one of them. Right? We know one day we are going to screw up. We're going to do something that we probably shouldn't have. Right? We will make mistakes. Things will at some point get messy in our life. Things will get messy, but it's how we react and deal with those messy things that are going to be determining things. So we see, let's go back to the story. We have John 9, right? Uh, Jesus' disciples ask why this man is blind. But Jesus' answer is not that the man is being punished, but that God is going to use him to do something amazing. That's like the fish slapping them in the face. It's not He's not being punished, but God is going to use him to do something amazing. So Jesus takes the focus off of the mess and puts it on him and what he is doing. Well, we, we see 
regularly, people pick our little flaws that we have. Well, this person likes to gossip. This person, you know what, you know what they do at home? This person, you know how they treat their employees? People will pick out that sort of stuff. And they're going to start spewing judgment towards them. But Jesus looks at us and he simply sees a friend, someone that he loves and cares about, someone that he can partner with. So we see the mess, the guilt, the shame that we feel is not something that stops him from pursuing us. We see the guy that would be picked last for the team is the one Jesus goes to first. I don't know, I remember I hated it being picked last in the lineup. You know, at school gym or whatever, you know, you get everyone in the lineup, okay, pick your people, you, 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 you. Oh, who are you going to pick? There's two people left. Usually the weaker ones out of them all, less skilled, less talented. Yeah, and I was one of them. So anyways, that would be me, right? So, but Jesus doesn't do that. The one that everyone would pick last or pick on, Jesus is like, no, I love you. I care about you. I want to be your friend. Because the focus isn't on what this person can or can't do, but what Jesus will do with him. That's what's important. It's what Jesus will do with him. God will use each of us to do amazing things if we allow him. So we know what's going to happen. There's some... Um, there, if there's someone here in John 9, we see someone here who needs healing. So Jesus is going to do what he does best. He's going to heal. So we're going to read John 9, 6 to 7. Having said these things, he, sp- he spit on the ground and made mud with the saliva. Then he anointed the man's eyes with the mud and said to him, Go wash in the pool of Siloam, which means sent. So he, so he went and washed and came back seeing. If you really think about it, obviously, Jesus can easily just say, right? You can see. You can easily just do that, right? And this man would have been healed. But Jesus decides to get muddy, decides to get messy instead. And, And what he does, we see that there's a deeper meaning in why he decided to do what he did rather than just quickly, you can see, right? So first we see that there's mud, so why mud? And we have to go back to the very beginning and remember when God first made man. Then the Lord God formed the man out of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and the man became a living creature. So Jesus rubbing mud on this man is very much like when God made man out of the dust of the earth. So why does Jesus do this? Why does Jesus use this mud? Well, you look at it again, and it's saying, Jesus is remaking this man. So when things all began, God did not need humans, but he chose to make us from the dust of the earth. But then when we sinned, he chose to save us. Now there's this man who has sinned in his life, who has physical deformities and imperfections, and Jesus chose to save Jesus chose to save him. God is not afraid to jump into the mess with us and to remake us. So we see that some of us may believe that our mess um, 
is because of that. No one could ever like you or no one can ever be near you. No one wants to talk to you because you're the outcast. You're the one that's always, always picked last. Right? Or, or maybe you believe that um, if you're not married already, one day that you're going to get married, right? Or, or maybe it's one day you're going to get your dream job. Maybe you're going to get your dream job. But then your sins and your flaws, the messiness of your life is going to be there, right? No one could completely look past your sins or your flaws, even though you have your dream job, even though you're, you've got what you've been really wanting. But know this, that Jesus does. He sees that this, he sees this man's faults. He recognizes that this man is blind. And Jesus didn't want to just pass him by. There's so many times I know that if you walk around in, in like, I was in uh, Robson Street in Vancouver, and there's, there's, when you go at night, there's a lot of people that are struggling. A lot of people are hurting. And I remember I went down there, me and uh, two of my guys, just our own personal kind of missions trip, just kind of want to talk to people about Jesus. And I remember seeing other people who'd walk past. And I remember this one guy, there was these, it was a group of three, three or four um, uh, men and women that were just sitting on the ground. They're definitely homeless. They definitely have some sort of addiction problems, right? They're the ones scratching all over, trying to this. And I remember seeing this, this one guy, it was, it was like 9.30 at night, just down, I don't know, about three or four blocks down from there, there's a Starbucks, right? So this guy, he must have got a Starbucks from there because there's, well, there's probably a bunch down there, right? He has a Starbucks, and, you know, they have their um, hat out, and the one guy has his guitar, and the other one has his little, um, not a box room, but like a, a gallon pail, five-gallon pail, whatever, and he's hitting and trying to play with. I remember... This one guy went and took his coffee when he was pretty much done. Says, yeah, get a job. And throws it at them. And it hits this guy in the guitar. And it just, you can see that it broke them. They didn't get angry or mad. You can just see in their face that it broke them. This guy, you know, they're, they're trying to just make some extra money. You can see they're struggling. He goes and throws his coffee. It still has coffee in it. At them. See, so many times we do that. We see mess and we try to avoid it. We walk around it. We don't want to be a part of it. And just like this guy, maybe we don't physically throw our coffee cup at them. We don't throw coffee at them, but we see someone's messy, someone's strung, someone's at that outcast. You say, this, no, I'm not having anything to do with wipe your hands clean and walk. Sometimes that's what we do without even realizing it. And unfortunately, that's just part of, of life and but it shouldn't be. We see here, Jesus chose not to just pass this guy by. This guy, Jesus could have just said, not today, and keep going. But he chose not to. He chose to take the mud, right? So he prepares to make this man new, to use him for God, for God's glory. So the mud is a representative, um, a representation of us being remade. But honestly, think about, did we really need spit? Did Jesus really need to spit into the dirt, right? Because honestly, that's pretty nasty. If you really think, 
right? It's gross. I'm going to rub it on your eyes now. <laughs> but you'd think that being spat on or using spit upon is an insult. Because you see in the Old Testament, um, we, we see that it's considered um, spit is unclean and insulting. So what is Jesus doing? So here's the thing, and it's kind of gross, but at the same time, back in those days, body, bodily fluids are highly valued. There was a high value in those days. They were seen as extensions of your life force. That's what it is. Your spit, your blood, anything that comes out of your body, um, were all pieces of your life. So, in our, and our lives are messy. Our lives are dirty. And by extension, we're the things that come out of us. But Jesus comes and uses part of his own body, uses his own life, the thing for us that is so exponentially gross to demonstrate that even his spit can give healing. He mixes the spit with the mud. And you can almost, I, I, I'm sure we can all kind of hear Jesus saying that, apart from me, you can do nothing. Because it's true. Apart from Jesus, we see that our shame stays intact. Because we do screw up. And there's no way for us to really stop that. We're not perfect. We will be have the times where we say things we probably shouldn't. We say the things, we engage in things that we probably shouldn't. We begin kind of talking about other people. We begin to say, eh, who cares about our stuff? Just spend it all. Just throw it on. I'm just going to take this iPad and throw it on the ground. I don't care about any of that. But Jesus gave me this. He provided the opportunity for me to be able to buy this, to use it, uh, for the ministry that he has given me. But honestly, sometimes it's some of those things that we don't realize we're not taken care of. Right? Apart from Jesus, it's our faults and errors are then magnified. We continue to lie. We continue to steal. We continue to judge others for the very things that they do. We talk about the the speck in someone else's eye. But we have the plank in ours. We talk about other people, but not the thing about us. See, but with Jesus, with his spit on this man's eyes, and then later with his blood on the cross, we are made new. We are, we are remade. We are reborn, and we are born into new creations. We are made new. Sin has no hold on us any longer because it has been paid for in full. We no longer have to look at ourselves and see the sins of our past. We don't have to look at ourselves and see the sins of our present. We don't have to look at ourselves and see uh, our sins of the future like the disciples did when they looked at this, the blind man we just read about. They believed it was because of his parents. Then now he's, it's their punishment that he's now suffering. Or he must have done something and that's why he's blind. Instead, we can see the hand of God at work and the glory that's being brought to him as our, our Savior, as Jesus did that very day. We see life. Life is messy. We are messy. Church is made up of messy people. No one's perfect. 
No one is perfect, even though some of us might feel like we are. We're not, and that's okay. Have you ever, another question, have you ever noticed, um, I know my, my, my grandpa likes to walk around the malls out in Edmonton, at Londonderry Mall, and I remember growing up, he'd always go and walk around for about an hour, hour and a half before the malls open, and he'd walk around, and he'd wait till he caught or found a coin. So some days, he'd only walk for a half hour. Some days, well, he should have walked all day because he found nothing. But there's other times he'd, he'd do that. Or I, I, I know that I've gone change from somebody, that I've, I've got a coin. And this coin, if you've ever seen them, they look like that. They're tarnished. They're brown and green, and they're dirty. And you can barely see the face that is on that coin. I'm sure if all of us have seen one of those at one point in our lives. Or perhaps you're walking on down on the sidewalk or you're walking in the parking lot and you go on the ground or you're making to your car and you see, what is that? Come on, there's coins. We're going to pick them up. So you pick it up. Oh, look. You know, it's money. Who would have thunk? But then you don't want to put it in your pocket because you it feels all weird and gross and no one's going to accept the green coin. But perhaps um, I want to say something that even though you can barely tell what it is, even though you can barely see what you're trying to pick up, these coins are covered in the brown and green tarnished look. They are ugly. People don't want to really touch them. Yet, despite how gross and ugly and how uncomfortable they are to hold, if my kids saw it, they'd pick it up. I'm sure if any child saw money, they'd want to pick it up off of the sidewalk, out of the mall, or the parking lot, wherever it is, right? And they'll take that ugly coin from you if you want to give it to them. They'll have no problem with it. Right, The child, the kid will see value in that coin, even though we can't because it's tarnished and ugly. It's not what it's supposed to look like, like the one on the right. It's looking like the ones on the left. We see, they see past the grime and the dirt and the messiness of that coin, and they see the value. So we see the reasons these coins are messy is because they have been worn and used just like us. We see that no matter where we're at, we, we have been used in our life. We've been things where we feel like we're unworthy to be, have any value. We're unworthy to say, hey, you know what? God still loves you. No, he doesn't. Do you know what I do? Do you know my past? I want to ask people who've had a checkered past because I'm not going to ask that, but I'm sure we've all had a checkered past at some point but God has remade us new he sees the value in who we are even though we may look dirty we may look ugly we may be messy that's not who Jesus sees us Jesus sees us as valuable even though we go and we do these sins or we do these bad habits that make us look a little tarnished a little ugly Jesus is saying no, I'm going to take that from you. See, Jesus died on the cross for our sins. He was shamed on the cross for our shame. That isn't us. That's not who God has called us to be or what he has for us. 
This is what the world sees us, not Jesus. We need to open our eyes and see the value that Jesus has placed on our lives. We've all sinned, and we always, we will sin. That's just how it is, but it's how we see ourselves, and or we do our best to stop. If we know we, we do this one bad habit, and it hurts somebody, are we willing to say, you know what, this bad habit in my life, I'm going to give it to Jesus. I'm going to give it to him because I don't like this part of me. If you know that certain people around you, you, tr- you turn into somebody different, that's not who Jesus wants you to be. That's not how that works. So, as you kind of end here this morning, but we're talking about messy you. We're all messy. We're tarnished. That's just how it is. We've been worn. We've been used. We're messy. And the messy you is okay because Jesus still loves you. Jesus has amazing things in store, just like this blind man. God is using him for amazing things. His disciple thought it was, you know, for his punishment. God's, Jesus is like, no, uh-uh, not happening. So we have this here. I know, some, I want to just, you've probably seen this at one point. But we see this, we see, this is Jesus. He's pure. He loves us. He cares about us. Right? And this is us. This is who we are. And then we have here, we have our bad habits. Right? We have our bad habits. We have our sins in our life, the, th- the things that we don't really want to admit, but we do. Our bad habits that t- take away from what God has for us. And sometimes we take our bad habits and we start to add it into who we are. And we see that we start getting diluted. We start not being where we need to be. It's not who Jesus has said, called us to be. And sometimes we'll let our, our sins take over. I don't know about you, this is not who Jesus wanted us to be. If you look at us before, Jesus died on the cross for us. But now we're allowing all these sins, these bad habits to enter our lives. We're not who we used to be. We're not who we were called to be. We see here, Jesus wants to take our bad habits. He wants to take the bad habits. He wants to take our sins. He's taking it from us. And then when we go, and Jesus is like, let Jesus be a part of our life. He's continuously making us new. This is who he wants for us. Take away all the sins. Take all the habits. Give it to Jesus. He wants to make us new. So I want to encourage you as um, we, we know that we have sinned and you will sin again. There's no doubt about it. But God still sees value in who you are. He still sees you the way that you were meant to be. Right, He looks past the mess and says, I'm going to save you and I'm going to remake you new. I don't know what any of us are struggling with right now. I don't know what other, what sins or what bad habits we have or that's going on in our lives. But Jesus is saying, let me make you new. Give me your bad habits. Give me your sins. I will take them from you. 
So many times we don't. I encourage you to give anything that's going on in your life. Things are taken away from Jesus wants for you. Lay it down to the cross. He wants to take everything from you. He wants to take all your sin and all of your bad habits. That's how that works. Give him. So again, I don't know what you're, anyone here is struggling with. Right? I don't know what messy things that are weighing on your hearts as we speak right now, as you're listening to me. I don't know what is being messy in your life. But God does, and yet he doesn't shy away from the dirt. He takes it. He wants to get messy for you. He comes and he joins us, wiping away all the dirt, the tarnished, the ugly war inside of us, giving us a new life. That's what he's doing for each and every one of us. So as we continue to go about our day and give it, give God the glory. Know that you have the value. You know that he has placed worthiness. Like, He loves each and every one of you for who you are. He doesn't care how messy you are. I don't know. He he doesn't care what things are going on in your life or how you're you're feeling about like, oh, well, I'm messy. I don't know. I don't want to be part of it. Well, Jesus is saying, give it to me. Let me make you new. So as we close, remember this illustration. Remember just how... Jesus is wants to take your sins and your bad habits. And he wants to make you new and clean you. We could have walked around being all dirty and messy and but then we're we're not doing what Jesus is asking. So I'm going to say if encourage you if if you have not accepted Jesus into your life, I want to encourage you to allow Jesus to speak to you. Allow him to be a part of your life to encourage you because he loves you. He sees your value. He doesn't see a tarnished uh, coin or tarnished anybody. He sees someone that has value. 